millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0. Oh, preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by Andy Murray to discuss everything that happened on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review NXT 2.0, Raw, SmackDown, AW, Dynamite, Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have wrestling interviews, wrestling roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. In addition to some burning questions that get answered, which we'll be getting to later this afternoon. But before then, got a stacked podcast schedule for you today. But again, we start with NXT 2.0. And Murray, could you care to give me a brief summary of your thoughts on the fallout from Stern and <laughs> Deliver? It was a lot of uh, fast-forwarding to things that probably could have waited at least a few weeks, if not a few months, wasn't it? Uh, we'll break it down individually as we come to the matches. But... Um, I mean, I thought it was by by you know Technicolor Raw standards, which is pretty much what this show is. It, I thought it did a reasonably competent job of at least taking things that were established or or, or developed at stand and deliver and moving them forward. Um, you know, you don't really come to this show expecting blow away great matches or anything like that. A few of these were pretty good. Um, it was an okay episode. Uh, not, nothing too egregious beyond the obvious stuff that we riff on every week. Indeed, and there was an absolutely horrendous and goofy show-closing angle, but you'll have to stick around <laughs> to get our thoughts on that because we begin the show with Braun Breaker coming out to address the NXT 2.0 arena or whatever it is, in fact, they're calling it. And we said, um, well, we've said throughout that this sort of Braun Breaker-Dolph Ziggler thing wasn't particularly um, successful. And genuinely, I think the temperature of the crowd might sort of match our opinions because when he was delivering his spiel, he comes out, he does the exposition dump, typical of a WWE television show. He talks about how he um, failed to regain the title and then he won it back on Raw. And, you know, one day he might wrestle at WrestleMania and main event the goddamn show. It's basically just exposition dumb stuff until Gunther comes out and says that he does not deserve to hold this NXT title until he has defeated the ring general. And then Bron Breaker, shockingly, 
um, creates his own match for later tonight. Surely that's worthy of like a New Year's Evil um, adjacent TV special, but evidently not. They do not like Gunther, and they are kind of weirdly insistent on telling us that we're wrong to like him as well. Um, general stuff, if you've been keeping up with NXT, Bron Breaker just told you what's been happening on NXT in addition to making this match. I was most struck in this segment by the fact that when Breaker, and he kind of got a little bit sort of thrown by this when he was delivering his spiel, what happened is half of the crowd starts chanting, we want Ziggler, which is either the double-edged sword of getting stars that they've sort of developed a um, connection with over the years to appear on NXT. There's always the risk that they overshadow the projects that they are sort of trying to build. Um, on top of that, Dolph Ziggler, when he was doing the promotion for Stan and Deliver, was like sitting down. Um, he was filmed doing press interviews, and he was all but saying, oh, yeah, this guy isn't a star. He's only worth how many matches. If you tell the audience this sort of thing, eventually they will start to believe it, and that was the case here. I've got a theory. Do you want to hear it? Unpack it, baby. Right. This NXT crowd, right, is a little bit um, devoted, shall we say. Yes. It's very much, they feel like this is their thing. They feel like this is their thing um, to such an extent that they become part of the show. They, they've, to be fair, they've been told by various carnies trying to get a pop that this place wouldn't exist without you. Mm. And it feels like it's mutated to such a degree where they feel like this thing is theirs. This is my theory. They, NXT that is, decided to do a show in Dallas as part of the WrestleMania weekend festivities. And Stand and Deliver wasn't. Um, held in the performance center in front of this specific group of crowds, and it's virtually the same set of faces every single week. Was this contrarian, pissy response to both Bron Breaker and indeed Cameron Grimes later in the night um, sort of a, we're in a mood because you took the thing we like away from us for a week, or do you think they've really botched the booking of Bron Breaker? Well, this kind of thing has happened before in the past, like going way back, hasn't it, to the early performance center days of of NXT when it was rising in 2014, 15, 16. And, uh, and full sale. Sorry, full yeah, sale, yeah. yeah. I'm speaking pish. Uh, where they'd go to a basketball arena after the first few takeovers were held uh, at full sale and they'd come back and uh, the crowd would be a little bit upset. And uh, so it's it's certainly on par for them. It's just been a while since we've seen it because of the circumstances, obviously. So it's it, it's a unique wrestling crowd, this, isn't it? Because on one hand, they are the absolute easiest wrestling crowd in the world. The amount of like, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think people should enjoy themselves when they're in the arena. Controversial take. Uh, but it it's, you could, I don't know, go out there and do a body slam and get a this is awesome chant from these people at the time. It's like, remarkably easy to win them over in a match. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Um, it was like the discourse about AEW crowds the other day where, oh, they'll pop at anything. That's a good thing, you silly sausage. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, because it, they don't sell tickets and because it's like an invite thing, I understand, and because it's largely the same 200 people every week, like you said, it does create this weird cliquey thing where... The same people are exhibiting the same behavior patterns every week. So we had the story a few months ago about how MSK were getting booed because Izzy's mum and dad had told them to because they don't like them or something. Weird stuff. And that somehow resulted in Lindsay Dorado challenging Izzy's dad to a fight at a jiu-jitsu tournament. Crazy stuff. Look it up. It's fantastic. Um, so to your point, yes, I think there's a very strong chance that they're going, oh, why did you go to Dallas? This is ours. Um and at the same time as well, though, the Braun Breaker booking, 
recently it's just kind of normalized him a lot and i understand they're trying to they're trying to make this guy feel like a normal part of the wwe universe like you know the hall of fame he did that with his, with his dad and uncle and that was good like scott's speech was absolutely tremendous um he's been working with ziggler he wrestled on raw all of this is designed so that you know this guy and then when he comes up you go hey there's the guy i remember from a few months ago rather than just cold you know a cold debut or whatever um but at the same time, it has the effect of nullifying the kind of jock energy that we like about him, making him just a normal, kind of boring system guy at times. And it's a shame because this guy has unique qualities that uh, you would hope they would utilize. Um, they do to a degree. He still has flashes in his matches and on the mic. And, you know, the, he's a very eye-catching guy and he has cool energy. But... Yeah, it's the, the, the rank normalization of everybody that Vince McMahon pinpoints as somebody he's going to push later down the row is... It hasn't died with the evolution from NXT to NXT 2.0, and the difference is it's just now happening happening a lot earlier, as we saw in this story, in this segment, where he explained every single thing to you as if you are incapable of figuring anything out for yourself. Indeed. Um, obviously, to um, arrive at this impromptu match later in the night... Um Gunther was flanked by um, Marcel Bartel and Fabian Aigner, and they were attacked by the Creed brothers um, during the break, which led to an impromptu tag team match. Uh, much of this was um, filmed during the commercial break, which was a little bit annoying because some of the action here before, like, a <laughs> weird and I'm not even sure perfectly executed finish and um, sort of detracted from the work that was being done. Like, this was genuinely great. Some of the strikes were, yeah. like, really gnarly. It felt like it had that sort of, are they kind of shooting on each other energy or they're just working really incredibly snug. There's an awesome spot where Fabian Aiken has got one of the creeds on his shoulders and he's selling the struggle of how much it sort of hurts um, and it's hard to pull off doing a, um, a power lift on him, but the fact that he does it just puts him all, um, over as a badass all the more. And the Creed brothers take the advantage with some wicked suplexes, and again, some strikes that just feel absolutely full on. It's pretty damn awesome when it's going on. Something happens here, and I had to rewind it back a few times. I don't know if it was sort of orchestrated chaotically on purpose to like create the sort of um, vicarious sense of confusion, but at one point, um, Aikner rescues, saves... Uh, Bartel from what would have was suggested would have been a successful pin attempt. Um, he looks kind of miffed that Bartel was going to get put away so easily. We then get a point where Bartel's back on offense, um, hits a move against one of the creeds against the rope, and Aikner just sort of walks past, out of shot, retreats up the ramp. At this point, um, Bartel's bleeding, so maybe it was more of a shoot <laughs> than we thought. Like, you probably shouldn't condone unsafe workers on television. <laughs> doing dangerous things, but at the end of the day, blood rules, and it sort of helped make some enjoyment out of this match, um, and then the Imperium split happens, Aikner just goes away, Bartel's left to fend for himself, he's unsuccessful, he gets killed by these two idiot jocks, and it looks pretty damn awesome, and it feels like this is the end of Imperium. Yeah, this match was so much fun. Um, some of the Creed's work in particular, like, I really enjoy the the amateur collegiate inspired stuff that they do where they stay attached to guys but roll around all over the place, hoist them off the mat while still locked in like like waist locks and stuff. And like there, there have been some recent examples of these guys looking a little bit unrefined. We've seen a few more botched spots and stuff in their work recently and that's to be expected. So it was good to see them put up against Imperium, who are a very slick team. Uh, and, you know, the 
whatever happened with the blood at the end aside, um, this this was class. Like there, there was so much to enjoy here. Like Julius, the the big Creed, he's looking real jacked at the moment as well, and he he was extremely explosive. Like the deadlift powerbomb variation spot he did was ridiculous, and like you say, Eichner putting, I think it was Julius as well actually on his shoulders and like having to squat back up because this guy's so big and bulky. It was a lot of fun uh, across the board. I don't think that the finish was necessary. I think that if you wanted to do this Imperium split stuff, you didn't need to have Eichner walk out. You could have just done the backstage segment that you had earlier on where Walter's like, guys, shut up. I'm going to win. It's going to be fine. Um, at the same time, why Why would you split Eichner and Bartel? They're like the smoothest tag team in this division, right? Yeah, they're it's awesome. So stupid. Like... Unless they're going to tease and come back and pull them back together or whatever, but like it's WWE, they rarely do that. Maybe they like Aikner as a solo guy, potentially, Maybe. which is the only justification. And again, it comes with the obvious caveat of let it play out. No, you can't let it play out because this guy on TV, particularly, it feels like since NXT 2.0 happened, he's kind of looked in the mirror and looked at himself and thought, I'm not what they want. Let's become the very, like, let's become undeniable, basically. I know yeah. it's a cliche in pro wrestling right now, but it just feels like he's got. Um, like renewed motivation to sort of succeed in this system, like against the fact that they might not like a performer of his type. But regardless, this is what happened. Aikner rules if it does lead to a single sort of um, baby face, because he's such an explosive hot yeah. time guy. Stuff looks like it rules, man. So maybe there is a baby face, and maybe this is all happened because they sense that he's got enormous baby face potential. Um, there's a post-match angle which plays off um, the various weird retribution-adjacent vignettes that we've seen, um, or angles rather, of late in which um, two unknown masked assailants have been destroying the Creed Brothers locker room, and obviously they uh, beat him up backstage, leading to the triple threat match at Stand and Deliver. And it is revealed Andy Murray to be a team from NXT UK going by the moniker of Pretty Deadly. And <laughs> um, for those who don't know, and that is virtually everyone because they are from NXT UK, Pretty Deadly are a sort of, you can tell by, you can pretty much infer this from the name. They are like guys who like being handsome and being good in the ring. And they are kind of chasing this sort of charm. It was so weirdly executed though, this, because they kind of had to unmiked do the exposition because we couldn't possibly wait a goddamn week to find out who they are. We couldn't possibly just have the commentary team explain it. They had to explain it as well because we are simply, Murray, just that goddamn thick. Um, so they kind of have to do an exposition dump off mic and it kind of, you couldn't really hear it. But regardless, uh, what can people expect from Pretty Deadly? Pretty Deadly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the act is quite well defined at this point. Uh, as far as their character stuff goes, their presentation is quite immediately detestable, which is good because they're pretty boys. They, they look kind of like weird elf guys, like yeah. sexy Lord of the Rings men, um, which, and, and you have naturally pretty people acting like fannies. It's just easy heat. Um, it's kind of it's like the opposite of Sammy and, uh, and Ty in, yes. in, in AEW at the moment, isn't it? Like, um, yes, the, I, I'm not sure the name changes. Like they've gone from Sam Stokely and Lewis Howley to what was it, Elton Prince and something else. I'm not sure that makes them any more marketable. Um, but, it, yeah, the, the the act is there. The uh, NXT UK have invested a lot of time. Elton Prince. Yeah. I think that's it. I've forgotten it already. It was so unmemorable. That's proof there for, that right there that you should have just kept them as they were. But whatever, um, I think they'll fit in quite well. They're character first, guys. The work is fine. Um, 
NXT UK invested a fair bit of time into making them a thing. They had like a 260-day tag team title reign that recently ended to Mustache Mountain. Um, does seem quite interesting that, he, that at the moment, WWE seem to be taking a lot of the best people away from NXT UK. I don't know if necessarily there's much more to read into that, but obviously Gunter, uh, these guys have come over. We had A-Kid recently, not sure if he's going to come back or if that was a temporary thing. Um, maybe something to watch, not necessarily something to make a big deal out of now, but Kaylee Ray, of course, another example. So maybe if uh, Mako Satamura shows up, we should ask more questions. But yeah, cool. Um... Mako Satamura turns up, I'll actually watch this show in earnest. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, wrestling would happen that's more than just some of the other matches we're going to talk about here. Indeed, and we'll <laughs> talk about them imminently before that, however. Um, Toxic Attraction backstage with Mackenzie M- uh, Mitchell. They cut some kind of boilerplate interview where they promote the yeah. match and vow to regain. End their careers. End their careers. End their careers. Maybe it's big not boilerplate. Work. That's big words. <laughs> big, big words for uh, two people who are the most dangerous things they've done so far is rip up a pillow. Indeed. Also, though, um, they are kind of dangerous to themselves, so... Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> JC Jane and that ladder match qualifier. Jesus, goddamn Christ. Um, up next, again, an in-ring segment with Cameron Grimes. And this is uh, further to what we were talking about in the introduction, about the weird sort of... Um, just a wild shift in this crowd dynamic from the most overtly performative crowd. They have one thing taken away from them for one night, and then they turn on Cameron Grimes, who's won a title in honor of his uh, deceased father. Um, when people chanted him, you deserve it, half the crowd chants, no, you don't. That's shan to me. Like It's yeah. one thing to feel like this development feels rushed. It's one thing to feel like um, Carmelo Hayes had done uh, had more to do with the North American title because, like, I've been high on him and Trick for a while. I think a lot of people gravitated towards them. So to see that rain cut short, maybe he's pissed a few people off, quite frankly. But if you're going to be a dick and say, no, you don't deserve this, without thinking of how much Cameron Grimes has done over the past three years, you're well within your rights to not like this. But don't say you don't deserve it on the first... And it's about his deceased father. Give it a week. Give it a week to tell... (laughs) Because you can absolutely buy rights, say whatever you like at a wrestling show. Obviously, you're not allowed to say what. Obviously, you're not allowed to be a complete corner dickhead and spend your hard-earned money trolling AEW from the front row because you're that much of a loser. How exhausting must that behavior be? uh, Those two things are not allowed. Generally... The pro wrestling fans should be allowed to express their opinions at a pro wrestling show. But have some goddamn class. Yeah. Just have some class, for God's sake, and give it like a week or two. Um, but regardless, Cameron Grimes comes out. He gets the mixed reaction, which is genuinely harsh in my book. Um, and he is interrupted. He says, like, to the moon and all the rest of it. And again, it's just an exposition dump. And uh, Solux Sakura comes out to interrupt him. And without any messing around, he just says that he wants a championship opportunity, quote-unquote. And uh, this is genuinely all babyface stuff. There's no turn. There's no nothing. The only thing that sort of has a bit of um, tension is they do the handshake and Solo Sakura does the classic pull you closer to me. Cameron Grimes is like, oh, okay, okay. And it's just a very incredibly basic setup for an all babyface match. Yeah, totally fine. Totally fine stuff across the board. Um, you, Solo Sakura has his brother's cadence, which is pretty cool to hear. Um, I like that they're acknowledging that lineage. He mentioned the bloodline here. Uh, that's cool because a, a lot of times they would introduce somebody who has connections elsewhere and just go, hey, ignore all that. Here's a guy. Um, they did do that with him for a while, to be fair. Yeah, they did. They did. So it's good to see that kind of yeah, coming yeah. in now for sure. But yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of points to add on. Yeah, the crowd stuff. So I'm I'm a big 
big believer in you buy your ticket, you can say what you want within reason as long as it's not like, yeah, I mean, obvious examples. Don't be a racist or something yeah, like that, yeah. obviously, right? Watch answer a bit whack as well, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Um, circumstances with NXT, I believe, however, are different because these people aren't paying for tickets. They show, and they're there every week. It's a completely unique set of circumstances that has created this community of people who are in the same seat every single week and uh, are therefore developing behaviors that are sometimes complementary to the show. I believe that them being so engaged in the matches is one of those. Um, and then some behaviors that are detrimental to the show, and this is one of them. Uh, and it, yeah, and it's obviously, you know, you react to what's being fed to you. Um, <laughs> but it was quite harsh hearing those no, you don't chants when the guys you know, character recently has been about, uh, yeah, this is about my 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 father who's no longer with us. I, 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 I will say, with the Cameron Grimes stuff, and we spoke about this earlier, uh, off camera, off mic, um, the execution of this, I don't want to use the word forced, because his it's performances... It's rushed. Rushed, that's what we're looking for. Because Cameron's performances have been very good, and I think that this is a story you can absolutely tell um, he is very good at generating sympathy. He speaks from the heart. I believe him. Uh, it's good stuff, generally. But it's a good three to four month storyline. Um, across the two weeks or so, it has taken for him to transform from full on kiss my grits, stonks guy, uh, wacky man, bantering around all over the place to to the more sincere direction of this. It's it's a little quick. This could have used some more time on the stove. This could have used, uh, you know, a marination period. I'm using lots of cooking references for some reason. Um, because it's, again, it's the way NXT 2.0 books. Everything is fast forwarded. Everything that should last six months takes three weeks. Uh, and that's exactly what we've gotten to here. I would have, I'm having trouble buying into this storyline because of that. And it's nothing to do with Cameron Grimes. I think the idea of him rising up and winning to a title, winning a title in his father's memory is great stuff. Uh, but Cody cut the promo on Raw and everyone's into it, right? He's been doing it his whole, well, post-WWE career, really, and in WWE for times as well. Um, good stuff, generally. Just a little bit more time, a little bit more patience, and uh, this would resonate a bit stronger. But again, emphasis that Cameron Grimes is very good at this. Yeah, just sit on your hands. If you echo Murray's opinion, that's absolutely fine. You're entitled to your opinion most of the time. Just come on, have some goddamn class. Have some class. We got backstage and there's a bit of foreshadowing. There's a bit of actual storytelling technique here because Joe Gacy, he sat with Harland in a darkened room and he's, I didn't know what he was really getting at because I usually tune out of what bollocks he says at the best of times. I know something about family, something about family and it sort of gets paid off later in the night as we'll get to stick around. And we then cut backstage to um, Draco Anthony who's had his own problems with their Joe Casey of late and he's watching the TV and he seems a little bit shaken because he feels like he's getting targeted and um, he kicks the cat in the form of Zion Quinn because Zion Quinn says something to the effect of I don't pay attention to those guys and Draco Anthony goes, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm going to kick your ass and then I'll kick your ass for instead my ass. They could have a match. I didn't, couldn't yeah. possibly give a toss about it. Um, <laughs> Tiffany Stratton then cuts a promo on Saray. Uh, I'm not doing the voice. Um, Saray. I'll yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Stratton does not like to be called a goddamn loser. We then get a phenomenally boring attraction between <laughs> Dexter Loomis and Duke Hudson, Jesus Christ. It ends in a double count out because the whole idea is the uh, the women are so insistent on literally getting their hands on their men and protecting their men. That is their role in life, to be 
just objects for these men. They exist to drive the careers and to like sit on the cocks of these men. They exist as they would not exist without these men. They are defined by these men. And as a result, after an absolutely ridiculous, boring match, at least a good minute and a half of which is spent in a chin lock. Um, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so dull. There's a double count out spot because they're sort of like holding on to the guys and making sure they're okay. And one of them's got, I think it was Indy Hartwell's pulling back the trunks or something. Yeah. So you can see his ass because yeah. it's the same ass you see pounding bush. Uh, it's all <laughs> and it's all sex and it's all objects and I, I hate all of it, man. Yeah, this is uh, one of the... <laughs> One of the worst finishes I've seen in uh, decades. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're having a tug of war with the boys outside, and it goes to the count out, and uh, there's no fallout or anything from that. It's almost like the producers know that it was rubbish because it feels like before they even hit the deck, we've cut to the back. So, yeah, I mean, a really basic match, the window dressing being the sick stuff, of course. Um, Duke Hudson's all right. He's he's pretty decent. I like He's been in the system long enough, like. Yeah, he has. He has. But like he I'm not saying this is like grade A work or anything like that, but he at least does little things. Like when he's got someone in a headlock, yeah, it's a headlock or whatever. But he's emoting a little bit. He's shouting out and stuff. Like a lot of people will just sit there and go, All right, killing killing time, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, you bored yet? You are now. Um so yeah, it's a, a really basic match with a, a really dumb finish. Um this uh, storyline is it's one of these things on the show that is designed to get horny teenage boys to watch the show. It succeeds only in getting a dirty old men. Uh, the median viewer last week was 59 years old. That's good for them. Yep. That <laughs> yep. is a significant it is. improvement. It, it's down from the average of 62, yeah, so yeah. they're they're getting there, baby. Uh, but yeah, you, you know how we feel about this stuff. It's the embodiment of the sexualization of this show. Uh, and they have created two female characters here who are just... Uh, so outdated and uh, it's rubbish. Two talented people who are very good at what they do being reduced to utter slop. They're just bushes. That's all they are in the eyes of NXT creative. Um, backstage, Guda starts telling Imperium that they need to get their heads together and they are not to interfere in the match. Otherwise, it would um, spoil the sanctity of this great sport. Uh, maybe you could have done with them. Um, spoiler alert. Um, next in the ring, we get Toxic Attraction, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan um, reclaiming the NXT Women's Tag Team titles um, at the expense of Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Um, Dakota Kai tweeted something to the effect of at least we got them for more than an hour this time. Elmo, if you remember the um, the genesis of these titles, it was absolutely ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> this show sucks, and quite frankly, it sucked for a long goddamn time. Um, I would describe this as a mild improvement on the stand and deliver kickoff match, uh, which quite frankly isn't saying much. And there are certain spots where they look at least seconds apart on the wavelength of when to do something. So you see these bumps, and they just look so... Like, they need practice, basically. It looks like bad choreography, quite frankly, as a lot of matches involving toxic attraction do. Um, the, uh, Raquel Gonzalez remains a quite decent baby face. She's yeah, running around. Yeah. The House of Fire power spot stuff is good. Dakota Kai does what she can um, when they're doing more ambitious sort of counters and stuff. But um, I know there's a spot you want to point out for how dismal it looked. You couldn't even tell if it was something that ruled or if it was like a really botched yeah. something of basic. And yeah. that about says it all. The finish happens. Um, and there's a callback of sorts to stand and deliver. 
Uh, Wendy Chu tries to do the same thing she did at the uh, PAPE, if you want to call it that, or the premium live event. Um, but she is thwarted by Mandy Rose. Um, toxic attraction capitalize on the interference when the ref is, um, is when his back is turned. Uh, they do an illegal interference to reclaim the titles. I hate having my time wasted, yeah. particularly when I'm only vaguely watching something for the um, benefit of my career. And yeah. because I get paid to do it, like if you, I don't understand how you could be a fan of this thing. Like, yeah, why yeah. watch it if it's simply a literal waste of your time? That's just going to get retconned. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It took uh, so it w- the match was a little better than the the stand and deliver kickoff show match, which is quite a low bar. Um, yeah, I mean, the spot in question it was so weird. It was Dakota was quite low, and Gigi Dolan went for a went for a Rana and kind of like. They were halfway to the ground by the time the move started, and by the time it ended, it looked like uh, Dakota's head got kind of spiked into it quite awkwardly. So I couldn't tell if it was like a really stiff spot that inspired by something from Old Japan Woman back in the day, where someone has just gone, "Yeah, you can mess my neck up. Why the hell not?" Or if it was, uh, or if it was just a bit clunky. Um, but like, I, I, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And not to point that out to like harp on botches i hate harping on botches i think it's it's always bad faith all these little small dicked accounts on twitter who are like oh look at this mistake and stuff get a life man how miserable must you be for that to be the way you choose to chase clout but it was something that had a detrimental impact on my enjoyment of the match so it has to be brought out it brought the quality down so it has to be mentioned but learning wrestlers all of that stuff a degree of it's to be expected I, i did appreciate at least and the match, the match wasn't all out terrible. I didn't think like it was fine. Um, I did appreciate that they at least tried to tell a limb story, and I'm a fiend for limb stories. Um, the flipping fiend. I'm the flipping fiend, baby. Uh, 
Raquel's knee that they took out a few weeks ago. She sold it in the match. They targeted it and stuff. Don't look. Don't get me wrong. The limb work wasn't exactly Minoru Suzuki, uh, but it's a story, right? It's something beyond the fireworks show that it often plays out on NXT 2.0. It's something beyond the hollow back and forth big move buffet and the shocked faces and stuff when a snapmare doesn't win on five minutes. Um, I, I appreciate that certainly, and but I mean the the finish, man. What's going on here, right? What's going on here? Wendy Chu comes down. Why does Wendy Chu come down? Right, She's a baby face. Yeah, exactly. Like so, it it comes just after a counter in which Toxic Attraction have regained control, but it's a fair counter within the realms of fair two on two competition. Wendy Chu comes down. What's she gonna do? She gonna just interfere like a prick? Mandy Rose is the baby face in this because she stops it from happening. It's yet another parallel to the Orange <laughs> Cassidy character that that. A lot of people got bollocks for making what was called a shorthand lazy reference on Twitter because Orange Cassidy does this, but that's part of his, like, charm. Yeah. He does a lot of heel stuff. Yeah. I, but it's kind of, oh, it's Orange Cassidy. He's got the sort of uh, intangible quality that allows him to get away with it, and he's obviously a lazy guy, and he drinks orange juice. Like, this is, honestly, it's so unbelievably transparent at this point. Um, get another Joe Casey promo. It's just absolute nonsense. Everyone hates it. And yet, as we'll get there, he's going to be dominating this show uh, very soon by the looks of things. <laughs> we then get an absolutely horrendous, horrendous segment that couldn't do more to underscore the failure that is literally the very premise behind the show. And you know what the premise is. Exceptionally green guys um, recruited from athletic backgrounds are molded into superstars by the tenured professional wrestlers who, while exceptional, aren't going to reach that megastar status. That accurately describes Tony D'Angelo and Tommaso Ciampa. We saw the match at Stand and Deliver. Tommaso Ciampa did everything in his absolute power to make Tony D'Angelo look like somebody. And now we're seeing the, the resulting effect of this in that uh, Tony D'Angelo is now, quote-unquote, made man, and he's there to be one of the focal points of this NXT 2.0 show. And the very first segment, and very little of this is actually his fault, um, in all fairness, the very first segment they do to sort of anoint him as this made man is dismal. Like, I'm not joking. <laughs> this is possibly the worst thing they've ever done. And again, it's not D'Angelo's fault. He didn't have a great deal to do here. But he was joined by his, like, sort of pal, AJ Galante or Galante? That's right, AJ Galante. So AJ Galante. Uh, there's actually a Netflix documentary about AJ Galante. Yeah. It's part of a series about sort of, like, sporting... Crime stuff. Yeah, like, sporting sort of controversies and bad boys and all the rest of it. So he was a exceptionally physical, even by the standards of the, the sport, ice hockey player. And he was like the bad boy, and he was like the son of a, of a connected guy, yeah, shall we speak. general manager of the Danbury D Trashers. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So the Trashers. What so the Danbury or Dansbury Trashers or whatever. So it was basically a connected guy, because um, the guy, uh, AJ Galante, his career was cut short because he suffered a really bad injury, but he was like... A, he was big into the hockey fights. He was, like, violent even by the standard of the support. Um, and he realized he couldn't play hockey anymore. His dad um, bought him a hockey team to sort of give him a purpose in life. And he became sort of a, like a lightning rod for controversy as a result because this team took what he was about in the hockey team. And it was just a total super violent um, hockey team. And they, were like, they got a little bit of minor controversy and infamy. He's not an on-screen performer no. by any stretch no. of the imagination. So as predicted by my goddamn good self, they do the mafia thing. And again, as I predicted, I said, they can't possibly do this because it would involve drawing a droplet of blood from a tiny little prick. They 
blue peated it. <laughs> we made them earlier, and there's just droplets of like red paint on a card to signify or possibly mutilate ourselves. We can have Brock Lesnar concuss people, but we can't do that. Absolutely atrocious. And uh, so Galante introduces D'Angelo, talks him through the ceremony, what you did. Uh, it's ridiculous. The whole idea is it's you're a star in NXT now. But because you are working a caricature Italian-American stereotype gimmick, we have to do it in a way that sort of was within your character. So, like, they do the finger prick stuff and say, like, vow of silence and you question, your loyalty will never be questioned. But in exchange for that, your loyalty must be completely robust. Otherwise, we'll kill you. It's an absolute <laughs> ridiculous. This Galante guy has no clue what to say. He loses his train of thought several times. And it's like... It's bad for anyone to lose their train of thought, but when you're meant to be playing this picture of intimidation, this criminal who's cold-hearted and ruthless, if you can't even remember your lines and you look scared of this NXT 2.0 audience that Lindsay Dorado can kick all of the asses at once, it's not a good look for your sort of bad boy mate of the uh, the crime boss heel to look like this. Um, they start to really get on his back when he's just... he's Honestly, there's a 10-second pause where he's like... Uh, Oh man, I don't know what to say. And they start telling him something we couldn't make it out. We have watched it a few times because I'm yeah. a short and Florida basis. It's quite funny. Uh, he tells him to shut up. And then when he again doesn't get this thing moving along, booming chance of boring. And they turned on D'Angelo uh, again, but at least this one's somewhat justified yeah. because this yeah. segment was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, this this was one of, I mean, it just shouldn't have been on TV. It's an abysmal watch across the board. And, yeah, it's not Tony's fault, obviously. He's standing there like a spare piece while the while his mate forgot his lines and went through the gears in his head. And you could see the cogs turning behind his eyes where he was kind of darting around like, help me out, brother, help me out. I, re I really want to know what the crowd was chanting at him that, that prompted him to turn around and go, shut up. <laughs> it was just not... <sighs> Some people are quite natural at this. Some celebrities or or outside figures will come on and they can talk and and it's great. Um, the guy just looked a bit nervous, staring down the lens and like he was smacking his lips like every other line and it was just a really unpleasant viewing experience. <laughs> um, I really wish they'd just gone full dopey with this and like got the gabagool out. You know, do full on Sopranos, have a spread. On the table, Carmela's put it out there. Yeah, it had the temerity <laughs> to take itself too seriously. There. Yeah, like, it did. What, you do what are you doing? What, what are you doing? <laughs> I, <Feech>. I, <laughs> it was speech when it should have been like uh, Big Puss. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> or Bobby Bacala with his trains. Um, yeah, just far too po-faced, far too serious, far too... Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if you mess up, we will kill you. Will you, mate? Will you? Aye. I'm sure you will. Okay, in this... Fictional universe, sure. Um, terrible TV. Abysmal TV. Uh, we cut backstage to MSK cutting a sort of jubilant promo where they're putting over the fact that they are the new NXT Tag Team Champions uh, before they are rudely interrupted by Grayson Waller and Sanga, his heavy. And um, they say that they will not be the champions for very much longer. I did appreciate MSK basically burying <laughs> Grayson Waller here by going... Okay, cool. You went viral, but <laughs> didn't win the title, did you, dumbass? Like, I like that stuff. Like, like, it's not really the stuff that you should have on TV, burying your own creative, but it's funny. It is. <laughs> At least if there's a certain crop of guys who know what this is actually about and they can sort of point out the things that we point out, then it's sort of 
And it, it does make it yeah. much better. Like at least someone's got their finger on the goddamn pulse of what this nonsense is, and what this nonsense is actually yeah. meant to be. So that looks like the new program coming up. It's we've seen a little bit of uh, Creed Brothers Imperium stuff with MSK, so they've been needing a new direction for quite some time, and we've actually now arrived at it. Um, Dakota Kai's backstage. This is weird um, because she's made mates, just made up with uh, Raquel Gonzalez, which we think is what prompted her shift into crazy broad territory, but you're still, like, acting unhinged. It's just so unflattering yeah, to what the actual talents are. It really sucks, and, like, the way they treated that reunion as well, they they just did it randomly as a thing to get a, to get a one-off premium live event match four days later, and then they flipped it back immediately. So the whole thing was meaningless. So you took something that could have been potentially an interesting storyline that might have engaged people and invested them in, in, in Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, Fast forwarded it for absolutely nothing. She's doing this stupid character that completely betrays her strengths as a performer. She's trying with it and she's doing a good job with it, but there's only so much you can do with garbage creative. Um, this really sucks. And to what end? Dakota Kai versus Mandy Rose, where we're going to try and get another passable match out of this really bland woman's title reign. It's just this company sucks. Sucks. Uh, no, they, they're, they're not getting enough stick for the way they book this women's division. And, you know, we point out the over-sexualization and all of that stuff. But, yes, for all... The, yes, they have a great volume of very talented women who are on TV every week, and that's good. Um, but the creative is absolutely dire, and in my opinion, outweighs uh, the televised opportunities to appear. Indeed. I'm just wondering, like, when did Io Shirai sign? She's got... I uh, hope her contract's up. That would have been like five-year deal season, wouldn't it? Possibly. So that might be a yeah. little scoop ski in there. God damn it, she needs to get out because I, I want to watch her perform again instead of uh, Nikita Lyons and Lash Legend. Look, to be honest, um, Lash yeah, Legend, this is way better than um, it had any right to be. I feel bad criticizing Lash Legend because she really doesn't sort of belong on television yet. Every evidence of her matchups um, would indicate that it's not just a cynical take. Like, it's, if anything, it's the empathetic take. But this genuinely is a lot better than one would expect given their respective level of experience and what we've seen of them both so far. The bit the spot at the start where it's a bit like. It's kind of like a pseudo Osprey Ricochet spot where there's like a double kip up at the same time to like sort of convey that they're both as athletically gifted as the other. And it's like, right, okay, don't use that as a model of inspiration when it's a match of this like quality. But you know what? Some of the stuff hits, some of the stuff hits quite hard. There's very few moments where they get lost. There's like one or two. Um, there's one kind of botched moonsault where the trajectory is like sort of so far that um, it was. Uh, Lash Legend, who missed Nikita Lyons by about a good foot. But that's really the only egregious moment where it was like, these two women don't belong together. They kind of really did well. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bold performance. Like, they've heavily over-delivered on their level of experience. They were put in a pressure spot, and they kind of delivered a, a match that was not remotely offensive, is the, is the way yeah. I would put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lyons won. It was decent enough, for sure. Uh, Lyons, with her Taekwondo background, and... Uh, Believe she's some has some like boxing experience or something like that as well. Um, do some slug fest yeah, stuff yeah. in here. It wasn't just a stupid attempt at an Osprey she, Ricochet match. Yeah, she utilizes. I think she utilizes her strikes and her experience in those departments very well, and it gives her another thing to market her around. Um, I think she has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, the, this stuff is. Yes, there were a couple of whiffed moments here and there, but like Lash was thrown on into into the ring without. Really, 
the level of seasoning you would like. I mean, the the two hundred five live stuff she was doing last year that went semi viral was. It's just not the kind of thing you need to you need to put on TV. But and again, it's not her fault. It's, it's or on Twitter, really. It felt a bit cruel. Yeah, it, it did. It did. It's it's the same thing over and over with these these accounts where it's like, oh, look at this person. They they're no good and all this. And it's usually some some person who doesn't have a shred of athleticism in their entire body, uh, hiding behind a cartoon avatar or something. But I digress. Um, it was pretty decent. It was interesting to see Nikita selling for extended periods um i i, I thought they were going to go down the more conventional pattern of having her squash a few more people but it's not necessarily a bad thing it just gives her a chance to to expand her game um i'm i'm still not quite sure i have a gauge on how good she is and how good she's going to be but a lot of her offense nikita's is very eye-catching uh the kicks and stuff look good and uh yeah fine good decent enough match and I assume this will be their issue settled now? Possibly. Or are we going to take over, brothers? Just do your best of seven. <laughs> do your best That's of seven. Cesaro and Seamus. They're going to form the bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine that. We're in military fatigues. Oh, the thirst not. traps? That's not bad. That's not bad. That's possibly what they call them. Like Wade Barrett out and out said, get your thirst traps ready, girl. You're going to get horny on the TL tonight when you say this one. That's literally what he I said. I love them using terms like thirst trap that we're like, popular about seven years I ago. Know. Used, yeah, I think Barrett <laughs> across last week and this week used Big Cook Energy, <laughs> Thirst Traps, and there was another one that he said tonight, which was just like, Wade Boomer. In his, in no his wonder he said boom. Wade Boomer. Boomer. <laughs> in his little jacket. <laughs> you know. Me and my pal Vic. <laughs> Hanging out at the One Direction concert. I cannot stand their sort of attempts to be Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, like where they kind of <laughs> hate each other, but it's like, oh, that's how we talk. It's like, it's, it's how we chat. It's somehow even weirder than Corey and Byron. Like, yeah, and, like, uh, and uh, it's just, let's uh, give up and just uh, call the goddamn match, you knacker. <laughs> um, two pretty rubbish segments coming up where um, Santos Escobar and Leguero del Fantasma meet up with um, Tony D'Angelo and AJ Galante in the parking lot. Escobar says something to the effect of, you know, Don of NXT, and I can respect that. I know something about being a boss. Um, and I've got some advice for you. Keep your business out of mine, and there'll be absolutely no problem. So we're going to get a feud between those two, which should be possibly one of the most stereotypical things we've ever seen in our entire lives, and I kind of look forward to that on a perverse basis. And we then get something ridiculous, like I was watching this. Kushida vows revenge mm. on Von Wagner for destroying the commentary table and the jackets. The most frivolous stakes imaginable. How could I possibly give a toss about this? How could I, even Kushida, uh, even peak New Japan Kushida couldn't drag something above three stars out of Von Wagner. That's not going to happen regardless. He's just going to get squashed like a bug, like a geek, like someone who made <laughs> an absolutely horrendous career choice. Maybe he got more money. He's in the next. I don't know. It's just, but they broke his rubbish. little table, mate. Like <laughs> They broke his little table and disrespected the jacket. How could you... How could you not be hooked by this? How could you not be into this? Show sure, is rubbish. Look at what's next week, man. You're going to count your lucky uh, stars that, like, you don't have to uh, do off next week, baby. Cameron Grimes <laughs> versus Solo Sokoa. Decent, potentially. Rose versus Dakota Kai. Mediocre. MSK versus Waller and Sanger. Mediocre. Kushida versus Von Wagner. Actively terrible. Zion Quinn versus Draco. Anthony, terrible. Like, what am I doing here? How is this on TV? Why, why was I right all along when I said this would happen at the end of the Wednesday Night Wars? Eh. The thing about developmental shows, obviously, is that there's people there to learn, and you expect stuff to be rubbish. Well, people are going through the gears, getting the reps, training, all of that stuff. The other thing about developmental shows 
is that if they're as traditional a developmental show as this, and that the talent are as green as this, it should not be on TV. That's the problem. But they've got a TV contract that they have to fulfill, and they've chosen to go down this route. Obviously, Black and Gold NXT started off as developmental, um, but it was utilizing a lot more TV-ready people. It was your packs, your Sami Zayn, your Kevin Owens, uh, mixed in with your... Um, uh, 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 the worst example ever, uh, Bull Dempsey popped into my yeah, head. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Uh, mixed in with these less seasoned people, company projects. Baron Corbin would be a good one. He, with his million match-long winning streak. Um, just uh, a problem that they're going to have to live with. Like, we're not going to get to the point where we're sitting here and we're reviewing this show and everything's amazing because it, it's there to showcase green talent and get them used to TV. They also suffer great... Uh, I don't know. Why have I gone on this tangent? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, they also suffer greatly from wrestling once every three weeks. These wrestlers, um, kind of people you want working four times a week. The Largo Loop. Yeah, the Largo Loop, baby. But we're not really doing that many house shows anymore. And, you know, occasionally they'll get to do a dark match on Raw or SmackDown and then not do another one for ages. I'm it's, sure I said this the other week, but didn't like Florida open in like May 2020? Yeah. Wasn't DeSantis like, I'll go to the ball game. Yeah, he was like, yeah, two months in, he was like, right, that's it, that's it's it. over, open up, baby. So I understand why they're not doing it, it's totally yeah. cheap. Um, it's obviously not like an ethical consideration on their part. No. Do they think that they can't draw people to the bar scene of Florida Championship Wrestling anymore? This is it. Like, Maybe well, that's what it is, man. It might be, it might be. Maybe they just feel like these, this crop just cannot draw people even to like the bars and the dives and the yeah. rec center and all the rest of it. Um, main event time, it was Gunther versus Bron Breaker as built later in the night. I would describe this as a good match that can never, ever feel disappointing if you've sort of watched Volta's career at length before he joined WWE. Like, the thing about Volta is that he's not one of these guys who I ever missed or had matches that you could sort of think, oh, all right, that's not his best work. Like, he was always awesome. And the reason why he was always so awesome is that he had this sort of, like, European version of the old NWA world, world's title gimmick where he came in, popped a territory as a killer, and he was awesome every single time. And it was, it was like a modern work rate Andre, basically. Yeah. Everyone wanted him because his matches were so great. All of his matches were so great, so the demand was there. Then he went to WWE and had matches like this. Like I've seen this get described as a banger by actual outlets, and I'm just thinking, <gasps> like, not really. Like The chops simply don't have the same spice. There was a point where Breaker was about to do a spear, I think, and he kind of had to look timidly at Gunther, to, like, sort of communicate with his eyes, is this the next spot? So they did get lost on occasion. Um, Bron Breaker firing up's always good. Uh, Rick Steiner slam, Spear gets the straps down, and uh, he doesn't um, do the subsequent military press attempt because he's been working. Um, he's had the shoulder worked on across the last five many matches. Gunther's targeted it. His selling's not that bad, actually. It's really quite convincing. Yeah, yeah. It's a philosophical question, I guess, about how much Breaker should be selling, but he's actually quite good at it, which is probably yeah, why they make is. him do it. And he's WWE, so he's a system guy, as you said, so he kind of has to do it. Um, get a spot where Gunther sends Breaker into the ring step, shoulder first, and that leads us into the adverts. Um, various five backs, chop down attempts, and then we get some bombs. Breaker makes a comeback with a pretty cool clothesline, actually, that takes Gunther off his feet. But again, shouldn't be that easy to take Gunther off his feet. Like, they used to measure how dominant he was all the goddamn time. Look, give me a yeah, and I might stop being a miserable prick. And, <laughs> like, sort of get attuned to the wavelength that is Gunther and not Walter. But as long as I remember Walter not being a goldfish, I will always consider this sort of match a mild disappointment. We get a clean finish, though, so I can't fault the booking. They put over their new guy, their 
breakout prospect. And they put him all the way over clean against a guy who, even if he doesn't have the aura in reality, in name he still has it, mm. and he, they beat him. Tell us your thoughts on the match before we go to the angle after finish the show. That was re- <laughs> I was really disappointed to watch this match and find out that it was exactly what I said it was going to be. I in can't the hear the chops, man. Yeah, can't hear the chops. So he, he pulled them out kind of towards the end, didn't he? And uh, you kind of had people going, oh, it's like a reflex reaction. But you can no longer hear the big booming slap around the building that, that used to be the hallmark. Um, Walter is dead. Said it yesterday. Gunther is a different beast. Um, he kind of flirted with you in this match where like every now and then he'd throw like an overhand strike that looked quite dangerous or, or like a little short clubbing clothesline. You go, ooh, well, look, he's, he's still in there. He's he's trying to get out. And then he just revert to like, I don't know, like sitting in, a, sitting in the headlock for a little bit and not really doing all that much. Yeah, he has fully embraced his life as a system wrestler after being the most uh, arresting imposing monster freelance monster of his era and only working select dates and preserving his aura and coming in and having these physical wars every single time he has traded that to go here and be a system guy and i'm not saying that to criticize his decisions uh i'm not his dad he can do whatever the hell he wants he has to do what's best for him and his career and his family um, but he made that choice. It's the facts of the situation. He's no longer the wrestler he used to be. This was a very normal WWE match between two guys who possess very special qualities, one of which you'd hope would come out more in the future in Braun Breaker, and they'd, they'd hopefully not. I mean, I say hopefully not restrict him as much, but he's going to end up on the main roster sooner rather than later, and we know what happens when you get there. Uh, and Gunther, who's never going to exhibit those qualities again. Uh, it's sad, but it is what it is. It it was a good match. It was fine. But it's the kind of thing where with the right build and if you know, fewer shackles, you could have had something tremendous yeah especially even yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent if you're taking your time and gunter was still walter and i'm when i say that obviously i I shouldn't have to unpack this but just in case i'm not just talking about the name i'm talking about the complete change in the way he works Uh, and it's right there go back and watch this match again if you if you don't see it and then go and watch like one of the dragon of matches um you could have had something really tremendous on your hands we're not going to get that now it is what it is uh, yeah, good clean win, fair play, enjoy that, but just the eternal disappointment of this whole thing, really. So, when he wins, <laughs> here we go, baby. We cut backstage and we see Rick Breaker, who's <laughs> obviously Rick Steiner. He, he, he was speaking to someone called Bronson here. He, he who's was, that? I've got no idea. Who's that? And like, he looks a little bit worse for wear. Like, he's still celebrating the Hall of Fame induction. He says something to the effect of, you know, he did me proud, son, well done. Now we zoom out. He's been locked in a cage <laughs> by Joe Gacy <laughs> and Harland. And his large baby son. He's in a cage and he's been tied up with ropes. <laughs> They've kidnapped Rick Steiner. <laughs> and suddenly, for once, the bollocks about the family stuff and the cryptic nonsense kind of makes sense because it's all leading to this cliffhanger. And Gacy says, maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks. Fade to black. What is he gonna? What's it? What is he gonna indoctrinate Rick Steiner? Is Rick Steiner gonna join the new right to censor here? Like imagine woke Rick Steiner like. <laughs> imagine woke Scott Steiner. Holy crap! 
this was what what are they doing? The NXT 2.0 is very try hard across the board. This might be the most try hard thing they've ever done. Like family stuff, classic pro wrestling sympathy. It's it's so easy to generate a reaction from this stuff. But when you go from it doesn't feel like Justin Rhodes, though, does it? No, exactly, exactly. This isn't I need my older brother. This is you deciding. Ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna engineer a scenario where you are believed, you are supposed to believe that the these men are gonna torture this guy into joining their weird woke cult, as scripted by Bruce Pritchard and Johnny Ace. <laughs> It's complete nonsense. Look, I like Joe Gacy. I have liked Joe Gacy going long before his WWE run. I liked him in CZW. I liked him elsewhere in the Indies. I liked his Evolved run uh, towards the end of that promotion's life. And he comes across as a very nice guy. He's a very capable guy. But this ain't it. Um, Serious criticisms. This is try-hard rubbish. Um, Harlan's aura is long gone. Whatever he projected when, when, you know, that cursed tagline the next big thing the next brock lesnar was coming out it's totally gone because (laughs) these guys creep me out right but not in the intended way you're supposed to think oh what are these guys capable of oh they're a bit unhinged like look at look at joe gacy's eyes look at harland going in the background oh man i'm scared of these guys they creep me out you know i just i don't want to hang out with them yeah i don't i don't want to watch it and i don't want to hang out with them like if they sat next to me on the bus i'd move seats (laughs) you know even if it meant sitting next to like an even bigger weirdo though no just like ah he's got a weird vibe like i think that's actually what they're aiming for so it's effective but it's not entertaining no it's not it's not they're like pulling like the kind of guys who like take a daddy long legs and pull its legs off and stuff you know like it's weird weird dude we're smelly probably as well i, I, I hate, reckon these characters I hate this. smell I hate most of this who's this for who who's enjoying this let us know it's for bruce pritchard man. yeah juicy the, bruce the own liberal left um this is it, what all liberals are like if you vote left you you kidnap dads you do yeah you're absolutely dad napper <laughs> Dad napper. Dad napper. So Murray just said, who's this for? I don't know. Tell me, please, underneath the link to this podcast on Twitter, what is vaguely redeemable about this show? You can do that at What Culture WWE. And whilst you're there, you can follow my esteemed colleague Andy Murray at at Andy H Murray. Uh, the H stands for Hey. I'm glad I don't have to review this next week, baby. <laughs> Pricks, I do. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at M Cedric. Once again, we'll be back later for the AEW Dynamite preview and a question you most want answered podcast, which you can again get wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks again for joining us. We enjoy our lives and you facilitate it. We'll always have our thanks and regards for that. Um, and until the next time, later on this afternoon, again, we will see you soon. Oh. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 